There comes a moment after so many times that somebody cries wolf that people just won't listen anymore. Especially when you have so many voices saying that there are a thousand and one wolves and that those who keep making these claims have the power to save us all from each one of them. All we the people have to do, what we must do, is give over our autonomy for the sake of all humanity. It is the moral choice. This is the new society's rallying cry. And social media is its official, though they would claim unofficial, but they are the marketing and promotions agent. And you'll notice, um, you'll notice this in the posts made by those who feel that anyone who doesn't take the vaccine, for instance, is a murderer. And you don't care about your neighbor. And you don't even care about yourselves. It's those who say, it's, it's not enough for you to say that you're not racists or, or that you're not a bigot, but that you must also adhere to and be an active anti-racist. See, guilt is no longer a product of a fair process under the law. Nope, you, you now must prove to a self-proclaimed social justice body, let's just insert the word mob here though they might not like that, but but let's call it what it is, shall we? That, that you're in fact, this is what they say, you're in fact a non-oppressor who does not in any way give power to the modern-day bourgeois who, because of their whiteness, privilege, misogyny, and capitalistic he- hegemony, are the system that you must not only say you're against, but must, by activism, show that you are against it's not enough that you say you're a non-oppressor basically to quote the great alan rickman in the best robin hood movie ever by the way join us or die of course i i can't do it as good as he can but you get the point it sounds just peachy now doesn't it in the last few months of 2021 we're given the moniker by, by our benevolent president, the summer of joy. If I say so myself, that's the type of sweet talk that just gets my joy, joy bones moving to run as far as I can from our so-called all-knowing caretakers in our government. So that lovely, decora- uh, that lovely declaration was given by our fearless leader on June the 2nd. Is anyone enjoying their summer of joy? Let's take a quick look at the last couple of months and let's do our own inventory. So take what has now been called a once in a millennium flood. Events in Europe. Okay. 100,000 people being evacuated in China for the same thing. These incredible once in a millennium floods. In fact, one report said that up to 25 inches of rain fell in 24 hours in China. People were trapped in subways. And um, in some provinces, 71 rivers overflowed. And as of mid-July, there are close to 180 wildfires raging all over the West across 12 states. The largest of these being the Butlick Fire, burning upwards of 413,000 acres. And behind that one, the Dixie Fire, at least, has burned 250,000 acres. And behind that one, the Snake River Complex Fire, burning 107,000 acres. And behind that one, the Sugar Fire, at 105,000 acres. Now, to get an idea of the size of the Bootleg Fire in Oregon, the area burned is larger than the size of New York City. The National Interagency Fire Center said that 2.25 million acres have been burned just in 2021 alone. And one firefighter said of the fires, these fires are of biblical proportions. And next to that, I mean, look at the amount of earthquakes taking place around the world. 
And the latest, measuring at over 8.0 here uh, off the coast of Alaska uh, about a couple weeks ago. Not to mention the various volcanic activity during this uh, first uh, part of this year. And to add insult to injury, there's now an incredible water shortage in the West, as has not been seen in the last 10, 20 years. And in Oregon, you have these plumes of smoke that are so large that they're creating their own weather patterns. To the point that the smoke from these fires in the West are causing thick smoke pollution in cities like Chicago and New York and the East Coast. Not to mention all the, fa- all the flash floods that we've also seen take place on the East Coast over the last month or two. And here, closer to home, we're seeing a massive shift in economic activity, high inflation, businesses closing their doors, employee shortages all across the country. Not Just the other day, I went to a little cafe where I like to pick up some, some of my favorite uh, chips and salsa that they make. And all of a sudden, it was a Monday, the sign on the door said that they're closed on Mondays due to employee shortages. That, that hasn't happened in this cafe ever. And uh, on top of that, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's the restaurant industry and the retail industry sh- uh, suffering because of these shortages. And not to mention the food shortages that we've witnessed, not just here in this country, but across the globe. Also shortages in medicine and materials like lumber. Food prices, especially with uh, meat products, are shooting sky high. And this is not just, again, it's not just here at home in the U.S., but worldwide. What is happening? And what about the massive increase in crime that we see, especially in places like, for instance, San Francisco and Los Angeles? And this one isn't, isn't just because of criminals, Now we have lawmakers and criminals working together. And what do I mean by that? Where, uh, in in terms of the laws, okay? And some of you may have already read about this, but laws have drastically changed in progressive California. Allowing individuals, okay, and this is actually in uh, part of the law, to go into any market or store, and as long as they take items amounting to less than 950 bucks, they will not be prosecuted. Talk about giving a people license to steal. I mean, there isn't a thing that you can do to them. So why have security in the stores? And why run after some of these uh, thieves uh, when you see them walking out? It's, there's no point. The cops can't do anything to them. And this is what leaders and the legislature and activists call progress. You know, um, the law which is supposed to guard us, supposed to guard society against the criminal element, now gives criminals incentive to commit crime without any type of reprisal. And what's the effect of that? It's not just the fact that... uh, you have crime going up. But as a result, you hurt local businesses. You hurt the employers, industry. You hurt commerce altogether, which in turn hurts the local communities that you and I live in, since the police really can't do much in response to this type of criminal activity, which is now sanctioned by the state. Oh, yes. Progressive California. And of course, we can't leave COVID out. Politicians calling for mandating vaccinations with threats to even lose one's job, even though even in the wake of new scientific evidence showing that a mass vaccination program could very well be the cause of an artificial surge in these mutations, in these variants that we see. Those who question the government or the mainstream media are branded as agents of misinformation to the point that even someone as decorated as Dr. Robert Malone, the very inventor of the mRNA technology, has been attacked and even censored from social media. 
I mean, when you have breakthrough cases of COVID that are being reported everywhere to the point that lockdowns and mask mandates are being put forth again by the government with a battle surging on whether unvaccinated are are squarely to blame or that the vaccinated can spread COVID just as efficiently as the unvaccinated. Cases are rising with the Delta variant uh, especially and with much more to come in the fall and winter, according to some experts in the medical community. In fact, uh, just a few months ago, there was an article in Newsweek that uh, came out front page, Winter is Coming. Echoes of 2020. And this is what Uncle Joe calls the summer of joy. Now, I know that a lot of the things I just um, listed are not just in the U.S. A lot of these uh, catastrophes uh, happening are around the globe. So I know that Uncle Joe would probably answer, well, hey, I was just talking about here at home. Well, here at home, things don't look so great. The world right now, here at home and elsewhere, is a place of suffering and affliction. That's what it is. Call it what it is. In an attempt to either control or quell the doubts and fears of the population, all we see are the same empty words spoken by the same elites who care nothing about the everyday citizen like you and me. And granted, there is always an exception to the rule. Are there good-hearted, real, authentic people who care about what they do up in Washington? Yes. But there are very few of them. A lot of their speeches are nothing more than attempts at self-preservation. Uh, they, they, they stick to these premeditated narratives rather than just tell us the truth that we all have the right to see and be given by those whom we have elected. That's what we expect. That's what we want. Trust. And look, I understand how, how much all of us want to return to normal. I want things to return to normal. But... Here's here's a good question we should think about. What was normal before the pandemic? So I decided to take a look at that. What 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 was normal pre-pandemic? Well, here here's what normal was. Everything you just heard me talk about minus COVID, that's the norm. And that's what we want to go back to. Have we been so desensitized by the ugliness and the and 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 the um, uh, increase and all of these tragic events around the world, even crime, that without COVID we would say, "Yeah, we're happy, we're normal, and that's that's okay. That's how that's how we want to live." You know, um, I recently watched a, a virtual church service. It was back in I don't know, late April, May, perhaps. And look again, I I understand. The reaction that I saw, which I'm about to share with you, but I couldn't help but draw back a bit. So this particular service uh, on this day was 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 the first time since the lockdowns had come in uh, a year before that the actual sanctuary was open for in-person services inside the building. And I know a lot of churchgoers out there, that's what they've been wanting to do, allow us to go back to worship. So here I'm watching this service online because I'm at home. The pastor comes up to the stage. He looked out at a thin crowd and with a sense of accomplishment spoke and he said, we're meeting together for the first time in over a year. And after that started this slow clap for a few seconds on his own, which of course led to the churchgoers following suit and joining on the applause. And, and again, listen, I get it. But my reaction at home to this applause, it, it really shook me to the core. It really did. Has the pandemic been defeated? Is it over? And here as they clap, out in the community, there are members of their church who no doubt have lost family or friends to this virus. And how many more were lying in hospitals in this community fighting to cling to life? How many others from that congregation had lost their livelihoods, homes, 
lost husbands, wives, mothers, fathers, or even children, or perhaps new friends who had lost this or more? What exactly are we clapping about? To me, it seemed callous, oblivious to the suffering going on around us. 4.2 million have died and are dying still from this disease. What exactly is there to clap about? What's there to celebrate? I mean, we are either so desperate for things to be as they once were that we are desensitized to the truth, or we're trying to find some form of escapism, even if that means playing pretend for an hour or two. Everything that we once knew as sacred and true has been turned upside down. Evil is being called good, and good is being called evil. In fact, this quote by Malcolm Rugridge, sorry, Malcolm Mugridge, I think sums this all up. Yet even so, truth is very beautiful. More so as I consider than justice, today's pursuit, which easily puts on a false face. In the nearly seven decades I have lived through, the world has overflowed with bloodshed and explosions whose dust has never had time to settle before others have erupted, all in purportedly just causes. The quest for justice continues, and the weapons and the hatred pile up. But truth was an early casualty. It is truth that has died, not God. It's mind-boggling how there, there's this constant call to, to look at history, but there's absolutely no attempt at actually not repeating it in our time. Do you know that what I see is more concerning and dangerous than everything I listed in the last segment? This is what's more dangerous. The curtailing, embracing movements by the so-called defenders of liberty to destroy liberty of conscience. The newest wolves that we must kill for the good of all are what everyone else is saying is COVID and climate change. And the way to do it is by a collective effort of private and public entities joining together in order to preserve and save the planet. And what is it? called when private and public enterprises join together for the common good? Come on, you know what that word is. It's authoritarianism, pure and simple. It's, rever it's reverting every true progression of mankind made in the last 500 years, basically back into the dark ages when church and state were joined at the hip and controlled the then known world. Now, the last few, few episodes of Truth Reel take a closer look at these various moves that are now being made through the global initiative, this global initiative called the Great Reset, whose rallying cry is what? Build back better. So go back to episodes 20 through 25 to really take a closer look at some of this, because all these episodes are connected. And uh, episodes 20 through 25 look back at the history of the Middle Ages and connect the dots to the present day. And the common denominator was and still is the Roman Catholic power. Just look at it. It's there. And that which they sought to control was all of mankind for the common good of all mankind. And again, we're not going to go over all the details here now, because you can go back and take a look at that. But I encourage you to really listen and do your own homework. Search for yourselves. It's undeniable. 
that the lust for power by both state and religious entities is one and the same. And right now, society at large, both private and public sectors of global governance are pointing towards one figure, Pope Francis, as the one we all need to listen to in order for the, hu- uh, for the human race, for all of humanity, to find peace and common fraternity. And alone, these two virtues, peace and common fraternity, of course we want those things, but how do we get to them? How we get to them matters. Take current climate star for the U.S., John Kerry, and his latest statements up on Pope Francis and the upcoming November climate meeting in Glasgow. This is John Kerry, quote, Well, the Pope is one of the great voices of reason and compelling moral authority on the subject of the climate crisis. He's been ahead of the curve. He's been a leader. His encyclical, Laudato Si, is really a very, very powerful document, eloquent and morally very persuasive. And I think that his voice will be a very important voice leading up to and through the Glasgow Conference, which I believe he intends to attend. So, we need everybody in this fight. All the leaders of the world need to come together and every country needs to do its part. And I think, I think His Holiness speaks with a moral authority that is quite separate. It's unique and we need all the power we can bring to the table. These comments coming from a figure of state, especially at this time of global crisis, are not just to be taken as something he said in passing. It points to a greater understanding of the intended shift of global governance that seeks, as he said, a moral leader that can and will directly influence policy and law on issues like climate change. And on top of that, the economy and social justice. And the Pope is just that moral leader. He's been lauded not just by heads of state, but by other religious leaders around the world, as well as the World Economic Forum in the context of the Great Reset, because he himself voices the objectives of the globalists in his latest encyclical. Here are his own words, which we've quoted in the past, from his own latest encyclical. Quote, The development of a global community of fraternity, based on the practice of social friendship on the part of peoples and nations, calls for a better kind of politics, one truly at the service of the common good. The right to private property is always accompanied by the primary and prior principle of the subordination of all private property to the universal destination of the earth's goods and thus the right of all to their use. And what was it that the World Economic Forum itself said about its own initiatives on this new global economy? Quote, that you will own nothing and you'll be happy. This isn't some hidden agenda, at least not anymore. It is, according to the activists, the WEF, the United Nations, and political leaders across the globe, that our last hope at preserving the, at, at, at preserving the human race is being able to redistribute goods and property and wealth for the good of the world. But at what cost? Freedom and liberty of conscience. This is at the basis for life itself and for human dignity because it is the basis of our creation, our existence, and redemption. And here lies the difference with what the world at large is demanding and with the principles that I just outlined. The power play now in effect is about coercion and retribution. And redistribution. In other words, your individual freedom is futile when it comes to this necessary reset. You don't play along. Put simply, you won't get along. The alternative to all of this is a kingdom power that isn't of this world. One that is based in liberty, in conscience, and in redemption. Now, we've quoted this 
um, these words before in previous episodes. But we have to, I have to share them again. We have to go over them again because this is exactly what's happening in our world. So this is taken from the book of Luke, the biblical book of Luke. And this is what it says. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. What's interesting about this is, is if you read it in the original language, the, the, um, the Greek, what the word that's used here is ethnos which directly translated means could could mean races or better yet ethnicity so ethnicity will go against ethnicity kingdom against kingdom is that happening yes it's happening next there will be violent earthquakes happening there will be in various places famines happening there will be deadly and devastating pestilences which can be translated as the word plague or in our vernacular epidemic pandemic happening you'll be betrayed and handed over even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends happening and on the earth there will be distress and anger among the nations happening In utter fear at the roaring and tossing of the sea and the waves, people fainting from fear and expectation of the dreadful things to come on the world. But the ending of this particular set of scriptures is, so when all these things begin to happen, you can stand up, look up, because your salvation is near. Why quote this? Because this isn't about religion or politics. This is about truth. If we believe that we're created equal by one God, the creator who is truly benevolent and who doesn't just create us equal, but seeks our redemption, seeks our salvation, then do we listen to this? Or is this a bunch of hogwash And I'm going to listen to the scientists and to the politicians and to the activists who simply blurt out all of this garbage that causes more hate, more trouble, and more suffering. Which one would you rather listen to? Do we listen to this kingdom telling us that what we see isn't normal and that it actually is telling us of a better world to come for all of us who want out of this mess? Or do we follow the benevolent leaders who all they do is talk, divide and conquer, regardless of how how and whose freedom they have to mow over to get us all to achieve this reset that, according to them, will fix it all. Has rationalism and moral thought provided us with an understanding of what is good, what is right, and what is moral? Not close enough. Has secularism in the terrible 20th century been a force for good? Not even close to being close. Is there a narrow and oppressive orthodoxy in the sciences? Close enough. Does anything in the sciences or their philosophy justify the claim that religious belief is irrational? Not even in the ballpark. Is scientific atheism a frivolous exercise in intellectual contempt? Dead on. That's David Berlinski. And if you're not familiar with David Berlinski, he's not what I would call a God-fearing man which makes his statement all the more powerful. What was it that threatened the power of the church in the Middle Ages? God-given conscience. 
What has threatened every authoritarian power from Hitler, Mao, Stalin, communist Cuba, communist Russia, communist China? God-given conscience. And today, science, or at least the activists of science, are threatened by one thing. Your God-given conscience. Free thought is the enemy of authoritarian rule, whether by the church, the state, secularism, or science. And beware especially of those who come dressed in so-called godly robes, speaking in godly tones, pointing to godly ends. Anyone who talks of salvation at the expense of human liberty is no friend of liberty at all, let alone the creator of all mankind, let alone to salvation. The world finds itself in a frenzy. And in the middle of all this chaos that we are now seeing, those without a compass to cement them in what is true will hook themselves onto whatever current disposable movement is screaming the loudest, calling for revolution the loudest, but with no substance and no promise. For them, it's just retribution as the ends, and their fuel, pure anger. Where can that lead except to more of the same conflict and more of the same chaos? They always seem to be pointing to this fight that's out there, this enemy that's out there. It's always this other, whoever it or they are. It's, it, it seems to be some manufactured other, some abstract system that we can really never see or identify. And in effect, the fight really never has an end to it. You know, I really love the story of G.K. Chesterton, who once uh, responded to a, to a journalist, a British journalist. Uh, the British journalist asked him this question, what's wrong with the world? That's a universal question, right? And I love his answer, and maybe you've uh, heard this particular story. Uh, Chesterton responds, Dear Sir, I am. Yours truly, G.K. Chesterton. Because he understood that if everything else was perfect, there would still be a problem with the deepest part of ourselves, the human heart. That's what makes his response so significant. It's the most honest answer. Dear sir, I am. I'm the problem. I'm what's wrong with the world. Because ultimately, utopia, this place where we think we can get rid of all of these problems, like um, the, you know, the race issue, or our issues with, you know, economic structures. Today, you know, social justice is pointing to uh, the, uh, the the issue with color of skin uh, or with um, the poor, poverty in the world, and climate change. So, again, the issue with this idea of we can we can fix these problems, you know, and and, and get rid of all of this stuff. The problem is is that you end up dealing with a problem that is out there, right? So let's just get rid of all these things in the world, all these bad things, right? Or, or, or let's get rid of this, uh, these restrictions to our personal freedoms. And, and, and once we get rid of all these problems, put the right president uh, in, in office, have the, have the right um, congressmen and politicians in power, and we're following the Constitution, all of that, which is all good. I, I agree with all that. But if we do all that, then perhaps this idea of reaching this world of fraternity, where, where we don't have these issues, is ultimately inevitable. But see, that's never worked in history because the problem is not out there. 
The problem is with the human heart. This is the difference between absolute truth and the culture's subjective moral absolutism. They're two different things. Moral absolutism appropriates that which we call sacred and weaponizes it to legislate and mandate what the mob deems necessary without consideration for the rights which are meant to protect all from such insidious encroachments of our God-given dignity. And you know, it's, it's curious that these progressive mobs use the cry of, my body, my choice, when it suits them, of course. But, but now, regardless of the ever-changing science, over the last year, masks, no masks, breakthrough, breakthrough cases of the virus with those who've been vaccinated, uh, the vaccine is necessary and you must get it. What happened to that rallying cry of my body, my choice? There's so much going on right now. It, it just, you know, it's so hard to keep up with. And I know that we all feel that way. New York just upped their authoritarianism by restricting the unvaccinated from eating at any restaurants, bars, or to go into gyms. And up next, don't think that this won't come to a city near you. De Blasio made some pretty staunch statements that many other governors and leaders are echoing that they intend or want to, to, to implement in their own state. Thank God that there are exceptions to this rule, of course. And if you didn't hear him in this uh, press conference uh, earlier this week, this is what he said. Right now, this is de Blasio, right now what we want to nail is people getting vaccinated and very bluntly showing that life is much better when you're vaccinated. And he added, you have more freedom when you're vaccinated and you have a lot less. You have fewer choices, fewer opportunities if you're not Vaccinated. Thank you, de Blasio, for your condescension. And whatever your view, the point here is not about not getting vaccinated. Don't get me wrong. This is not about saying if you're vaccinated, you're the problem. No, 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 no. This is this is beyond that. This 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 the the, the conversation we're having here is beyond getting vaccinated or not. The point is to let each person decide for him or herself. Period. End of story. No one else, regardless of their position, should have their subjective view infringed on someone else on any issue, especially on issues that are considered moral. But besides the moral imperative of freedom of conscience, which guaranteed by the Bill of Rights is the EUA provision in the FDCA Act added in 2004. And if you don't know about that, look it up. In fact, I'll have it in the show notes. Go to today's show on um, on our wet, uh, website, which is truthreal.transistor.fm. And when you go to uh, episode 26, which is today's show, you go to where our, our notes are, and I'll have the link there so you can read it yourself. and uh, So that you can see for yourself what this provision says. Okay, and this provision, what it does is... Um, it's to give the government increased flexibility to respond to a chemical, biological, uh, or a nuclear radiation threat. Okay, When the pathway was created, special language was included for informational disclosures for individuals offered a medical product under, the, under an EUA. Specifically, under 21 U.S.C. 360. Okay? which says that each individual must be informed of the option to accept or refuse administration of the product, of the consequences, if any, of refusal uh, or, or of refusing administration of the product and of the alternatives to the product that are available and of their benefits and risks. And the first segment of the subclause, what it suggests is that mandates are categorically prohibited since each person must have, quote, as this uh, clause says, the option to accept or refuse. The power to choose lies with you and with me as it always should. So, I mean, the Bill of Rights is already enough uh, reason for the, these mandates to be unlawful. But now we have this EUA provision that tells us that we have the right 
on any product, especially products that are not, that haven't been um, given clearance uh, by the FDA, okay, the power to choose. We have the option to accept or refuse the product, and under the, the word product, you can basically extract from that meaning this particular vaccine. This is what absolutism does. It doesn't care about the truth or principles, but rather subjective narrative. This is not what grants us freedom. In fact, it does what the loud majority screams about. It oppresses. What world governments are now seeking to do in reshaping the global sphere of political, economical, and societal life takes absolutism to its logical conclusion. It empowers the few and enslaves the many. If this future is to be seen as bright, the one that we're being given by our benevolent leaders, and even more disturbing, is accepted by those who don't agree but go along to get along because of fear, will be just as complicit as those who in history have turned a blind eye to the most abominable acts committed by those dictators, oligarchs, and tyrants who have tried to reshape the world according to their own image. And this is why truth does not matter to the power-hungry elites or to the activists on the ground who fuel this extremism we see being pushed as the new normal. It was Loyal D. Rue who wrote an article back in the 90s, by the way, so this is quite dated. But it's so fitting to what is actually being, what is happening now in 2021. So I'm not going to read the whole article but I'll have it in today's notes so you can go read the whole article for yourself. But he begins by writing, quote, Modern culture urgently needs a noble lie, a myth that links the moral teachings of religion with the scientific facts of life, unquote. Isn't science now being labeled as the hero of all mankind? And those who question science as murderers are uncaring. To the degree that many religious leaders are now using the popular love your neighbor law that's found in scripture as the motive to getting the jab. If you don't get it, well, then you don't love your neighbor very well now, do you? So here we have religion and science working hand in hand lovely, isn't it? Now, Rue goes on to say, he defines what he means by noble lie. What I mean by the noble lie is one that deceives us, tricks us, compels us beyond self-interest, beyond ego, beyond family, nation, race, that will deceive us into the view that our moral discourse must serve the interests not only of ourselves and each other, but those of the earth as well. Doesn't this sound like the articles we're reading now and the voices that we hear today concerning green new policies and the vaccine mandates? It's all, we have to think about other people, not just yourself. Don't be selfish. Everything is for the common good. Loyal D. Rue goes on to say, the illusion must be so imaginative and so compelling that it can't be resisted, so beautiful and satisfying that all would feel they have to accept it. And listen to what he says next. It remains for the artists, the poets, the novelists, the musicians, the filmmakers, the tricksters, and the masters of illusion to winch us toward our salvation by seducing us into an embrace with a noble lie. Stark language. And who are the spokespersons winching us forward today? Ah, uh, well, the best of Hollywood, the noblest of 
the those who are uh, musicians from the stage. Yes, if my favorite actor or musician is doing it, well, darn it, I should too. How condescending that because some actor who's famous and some musician who's famous that we all know is getting it, well, then that's reason enough for me to get it. And in the middle of all of it come the insults and the condescension of community leaders like some pastors and some educators and even some doctors. You're all stupid and ignorant. And again, this is beyond whether you, whether you get the vaccine or, or not. That's your choice. That's the point. It's about your right to liberty of conscience, especially on something that goes into your body. Government has no business in your or my medical choices. None. If you choose to get the vaccine, that's fantastic. But it does not give you the right to infringe on someone else's choice to get it or not. Period. Who died and made you king? When you destroy liberty of conscience, and especially in favor of some subjective, subjective common good, you destroy the good by telling individuals that their lives have no value. You only see them as a number. They only have value when it benefits the larger group and when, and when they comply with your subjective view. This is where we have come to in our society. And again, this has happened before in history. This is why we say, learn from history so you don't repeat it. But here we are, like clockwork, repeating the same authoritarianism in our culture. And today... We have all, we have good old Facebook and YouTube and Twitter, the, the current gods of knowledge to tell us what we shouldn't read, what we should read, what we should do, what we shouldn't do, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, just to help us a little bit. This is the fight that we must fight. Because in fighting for my individual right to choose is a de facto argument for everyone else to hold that same right to choose. People say, you're selfish when you think about yourself. No, 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 no. When I say that I'm fighting for my personal individual rights, at the same time I'm fighting for your individual rights, my friend. When you fight for groups, you'll end up leaving somebody behind. When you fight for the principle you end up including everyone. There is no greater conflict than the fight for the soul. And this is what Chesterton addresses. All of the problems that progressive politicians and social activists say we have could be perhaps solved to some extent and, and maybe have some form of social utopia that we reach, but none can promise to heal and transform the human heart, which is the very heart of the matter, no pun intended. This is where the problem lies. Because what about control? The hunger for control, which is what we see now. What about greed? What about vice, sexual immorality, abuse, uh, what about addiction and what about loss and death? Can these benevolent leaders who claim to have the answers give us redemption and life? No. How much corruption do we have to openly see until we stop putting trust in any politician, in any leader? The current events unfolding before us tell us everything is leading towards some major climactic point there are a lot a lot of people out there maybe some of those are you some of those people are you what's going on what's really happening here well you see the creator who created us equal he says that all of this that's happening points towards our salvation as we read earlier when you see these things know that your salvation is near that's the climactic point it's not our annihilation. See, that's what everybody else is saying. If we don't act now, we're all going to die. Boy, that's such a hopeful message, isn't it? But this is where 
absolute truth differs from absolutism. Absolutism is you do this because if you don't, well, guess what? You're going to have to do it. We're going to force you to do it because it's for the common good. But the creator, the one who gives us the right to, to choose our liberty of conscience, says, no, no, the end is not, the end is not an annihilation. It's salvation. And in the person of Jesus, we find our end because it is, in fact, our new beginning. And it's the only hope. Nothing else comes close. There's more truth real to come in the weeks ahead. So keep listening. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to The Truth Reel. If you want to subscribe to our podcast, you can do it where all podcasts are available. Also visit us at our website, truthreel.transistor.fm. Again, that's truthreel.transistor.fm. And if you're interested in donating to the cause of the refugees, please go to liveforone.com. That's liveforone.com. Join us as we continue to help our brothers and sisters, especially during this crisis under the COVID-19 pandemic.